this week on The Startup Life. You probably need to focus even more on that messaging and product development, and you only need one channel to work really well to get to success for the next six to 12 months. All right, Startup Nation, so let's take flight with Jim Huffman, co-founder and CEO of Growth Hit. The Startup Life begins now. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this new crazy Hey, Startup Nation. Do you enjoy the startup life? Now you can let the world know with gear from the show. Choose from the label yourself, make your own luck, and making money t-shirts to tell your story of your path of entrepreneurship. Click the link in the show notes to purchase. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're ready to receive some value today. This is Dominic Lawson with the Startup Life powered by the Binge Podcast Network. Today we have Jim Huffman of Growth here today. How's it going, Jim? Good. Thanks for having me. Awesome, awesome. You ready to pour some knowledge in the Startup Nation today? Let's do it. Awesome. Let's start with this, man. Tell us your story behind your path of entrepreneurship. Oh, man. Um, yeah, let's do it. So um, I guess, you know, coming out of college, it's funny. I was, I was a finance major, and you're really just trying to figure out what are the options you have for getting a job or what to do. So I really thought it was just, you know, consulting or investment banking. So I, I started doing investment banking in Dallas. It was a small uh, M&A investment banking firm. And the thing that was really eye-opening for me was I'd be in these meetings and there'd be all these lawyers and MBAs, people with these impressive degrees. But the most impressive person in the meetings was always the founder, the CEO, or the entrepreneur. Mm. And that entrepreneur, a lot of times in the industry we were working in, they didn't go to college. Maybe they had a high school degree, but they were able to take an idea and turn it into, you know, this seven, eight, nine figure business. And it was amazing to me just like at the time I was the note taker, you know, so I'm just this fly on the wall absorbing all of this. And that's when it really kind of dawned on me. I want to be a part of a company and help grow it. So I, I didn't really have any skills at the time or any great ideas. So I was like, let me just try and find some really cool companies to, to work with and be a part of. And that's when I started to go in and work with startups. Um, I worked with, I went from working in investment banking, what people thought was a secure job to working at a startup where my new job was to send email newsletters. So gotcha. when you're trying to explain that to like your parents and your family they're like what is wrong with you you know what i mean like why 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 are you transitioning to that but for me it was amazing because i got a lot of responsibility and ownership uh, to run things and so um that was with a company called urban daddy i uh, helped grow them in dallas and then i got to go up to new york and work in their headquarters and that's when we started to get into e-commerce and they're like we don't know what e-commerce is we figure that out and try and make it happen and so just by trial by fire and making a lot of mistakes, we were able to kind of build up this, this seven, eight figure business um, in e-commerce. And then from there, I really knew I wanted to do my own thing. And it was a matter of when I would have that jumping off point. And that's when I started mentoring um, startups on the side, which eventually la led to me being able to start my own kind of growth consultancy uh, growth hit. And okay. so about two and a half years ago, I, I made that jump of going from trying to do this hustle on the side. I was waking up, you know, like 6am working two hours before um, I go into the office and then at night till, you know, basically till I would fall asleep. Then I was like, you know, it's, it's time to make a decision to go all in on this or not. So yeah, that, that's kind of the, the roundabout way of how I eventually found my way into to entrepreneurship. You mentioned something in there that I ask a lot of my guests and I kind of want to dive into it a little bit. So you talked about, you know, uh, going to those meetings and taking notes and most uh, interesting person was that founder or entrepreneur. And so let me ask you this, man, like a lot of people say like in order to be a successful entrepreneur, I got to like, you know, get a degree, get like a formal education, do some networking. And some people just say, I just need idea and a dream. So where do you stand on that, Jim? Yeah, I think first you need to understand what is the best way you learn. Some people learn really well by staring at a book or by being lectured to. Other people learn 
by you know video content or doing exercises for me i learn the best by actually doing something that's why i really retain it because uh, i'm having to apply it and do more critical thinking for sure um, but if you can get if you can kind of hook your wagon to someone that has either already been through that or someone that can pass on really good advice that's a nice way to get a head start so my advice would be is i actually don't necessarily think you need a college degree or you need um like whatever certification i think it's you need to find that experience and find the smartest person you know and just try and learn from them and more likely that experience that action will open more doors, create more ideas, and lead to that probably success you want than whatever degree or certification. Thank you for sharing that. Let me ask you this, man. Who or what inspires you as an entrepreneur and why? Oh, man. Um, you know, I, I think it's people that, you know, kind of challenge the, the status quo or the, or the norm of what success is because you can definitely see success with, you know, having the corner office, having this title. It can be in the tech crunch headlines like, wow, we raised a... $30 million round. But for me, it's people that are like, you know what, I'm going to really kind of hone in on what I want out of my life, what I want out of my work. And they are able to create their own lifestyle where they're, they're working remotely if that's what they want. They've created a remote team. They've built a business that brings in the cash flow that, that makes them more than happy. And they're doing something that they're either passionate about or really, um, that's really mission driven. So for me, I look for people that, that are doing things like that, whether it's, you know, you could look at the people that are running WordPress. You could look at John Loomer who has his own uh, agency around Facebook ads. You could look at the guys at indie hackers or uh, startups for the rest of us, but it's, it's people that are kind of creating their own way for me is really inspiring. And obviously like Tim Ferriss, much like, a lot of people, I read the, the four hour work week and it definitely got the, the juices flowing with other opportunities or things you could pursue. But for me, that's what really inspires me. Gotcha. Thanks for sharing that. Let me ask you this, man. You know, uh, what did you learn from your worst boss, teacher or mentor you ever had? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that is a great question. You know, there, there was this one person who obviously will remain nameless for and sure. I would have to travel with him when I was working in a, in a different life. And he had this reputation of making people cry. Which, oh, wow. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but I remember after I did this like four month stint with him, um, one of the MDs at this firm was like, you know, that's impressive. You, you worked with this guy. Most people don't last. But what I learned from that experience was not like using emotion to get tied up into things and really just, you know, kind of for lack of a, a better phrase like you know you've, you've got to eat the crap and just make stuff happen and get stuff done because I, I knew i needed to do a great job on this project either get a promotion or to move up For and sure. so swallowing your ego swallowing your pride and just like doing whatever it takes to get the results done um but after working with that individual it showed me i, I could really handle anything whether that's a really difficult client uh, a difficult employee, um, those awkward or tough situations um, make you very resilient. Let me ask you this, man. You know, in your, you know, your best-selling book, The Growth Marketers Playbook, you tell a story uh, about a website you launched in 2011 that didn't exactly go as planned. Tell us that story and what, did, uh, what you learned from that and also some, uh, some other key points from that book. Oh, yeah. Um, thought I thought I had an idea that was going to change the world. It was, it was essentially a a horrible version of Yelp that I was working on on a WordPress site with a bunch of plugins that I thought would have a cool uh, editorial tone to it. And here was the big issue. And a lot of people, you have an idea and you're afraid to tell anybody about it. And so you're like working away at night with like one little lamp on, not telling anybody, thinking that once you launch it, you're going to have this grand reveal where everyone's excited about it. And the truth is nobody cares, you know, and if you're not solving a problem, if you're not creating something that's 10 X better than something that's out there, it doesn't matter. And even if you have an amazing product, if you don't know how to get in front of uh, get it in front of people or message it, it's going to fall flat because if mm -hmm. the best product always won, then it would be a much easier game. It'd be like, let me find the best talent out there, pay them a lot of money and we will win. Sure. And that is not the case. And learning that the hard way opened up my eyes to being like, if I'm not talking to people, understanding 
what they care about, what they're doing online, what problems they have, what things excite them. If I'm not talking to them to understand that intimately, how am I going to make something they would actually want or something they would even pay money for? So, you know, kind of that six month practice of trying to build a site myself. And then um, after I built it, launch it showed me that I was, I was kind of doing things backwards. You know, you really need to understand the market you're trying to add value to and then after the product rather than uh, starting with the product first. For sure. And, and what are some of those central points you want us to get from uh, the Growth Marketers Playbook? Yeah. Um, so with the playbook, um, I, I like to kind of start with it from two perspectives. One is kind of a, a macro approach where, you know, let's understand what this even means when we're trying to grow and we're trying to build something that scales. You know, what is that that number of, what is that metric you're trying to go after? Is it traffic? Is it email signups? Is it revenue? Um, and what industry are you playing in? And so that shows you what your barriers are going to be. So if you're in the e-commerce landscape right away, you know, you have two issues and it's what is your customer acquisition costs and what is that lifetime value of your customer? So once you understand your goal and your landscape, um, it's really about setting up your kind of your, your growth marketing infrastructure. So we go into details on how to do that from, you know, how to message your product, how to build the right landing page that actually converts. Um, and then what are all your options for growth? And here's the issue so many people have is as I work with venture capital firms and founders and startups, they will start to get a little bit of traction and then they're so quick to want to grow and do, do everything. And the reality is, especially in those early days, you probably need to focus even more on that messaging and product development. And you only need one channel to work really well to get to success for the next six to 12 months. And success could be a sustainable business model or success could be getting to another round of funding. Because so many times these startups, they'll get traction on something. Maybe it's SEO driven content marketing. And like, oh, it's kind of working, but okay, now I need to figure out Instagram ads, or now I need to figure out podcast advertising, or now I need to figure out, um, you know, how to speak at all these conference and email outreach. But really, you can ride that one channel much farther than you realize. If you look at a lot of fast-growing startups that did the, the VC route and went to a B or C round, mm -hmm. those first three to four years, they rode one channel really, really well. Wow. Um, and so I, I try and unpack how you can find that channel, how to find those options. And, and I'm a big fan of case studies and examples. So I put a lot in there just to hopefully give people inspiration on what other companies have done. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I, I think a lot of newly minted entrepreneurs fall into that trap. Like you said, when they, they start to gain that traction and they start getting that, uh, that hair uh, mentality, you know, from the tortoise in the hair and not thinking like, oh, yeah. the tortoise, you know, and so, you know, slow and steady wins the race, right? Yeah, that, that's a great example. Yeah. So I'm glad you pointed that out. So I hear there's a rumor that there's maybe a promo code for this book for Startup Nation. Is that true, Jim? There, there's truth to this rumor. Um, absolutely. <laughs> yes, you're very smart. So if you just use Startup Life, we'll do 30% uh, off. So we've got a book um, that you can get and we actually include all of the templates um, and the, uh, the kind of modules that we use to run growth. And we threw in like a hundred, uh, growth tactics that we like. And then we also have an online course you can check out, but it's just growthmarketersplaybook.com. And then you can use the promo code startup life. But yeah, um, hopefully that's helpful to, to people that are out there trying to build something really cool. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jim, for, I uh, appreciate that on behalf of the Startup Nation. And Startup Nation, if you look in the show notes there, uh, that promo code and that website is there for easy access to go ahead and access that book and get that 30% off for, uh, for you and gain some value from it for sure. Now, Jim, let me ask you this, man, because you're a growth mentor at Techstars and Sephora Accelerators. And obviously, you know, being a mentor to the next generation of entrepreneurs is very important to you. Why is that important for successful entrepreneurs to kind of reach back and help those emerging line of new business owners? Yeah, um, and that's a really good point because, you know, a lot of times you're not getting paid for that mentorship and time is very, very precious when you're running a company. I, I think it's twofold. One is, I mean, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for other people helping me. You know, when I couldn't even spell SEO, there was people, whether it's in the form of talking to them in person, in classes, or even with the blog content they put out, 
that really helped get me to that next level. So there's one thing of paying it forward, and it, it's actually very beneficial. Whenever you're teaching, it, it's a good feeling to help, and I think people do want to help. And the second thing is, as you talk to these founders, these entrepreneurs, these these younger people in marketing, it's actually really inspiring because one, there are so many smart people out there that you can also learn from, um, and second just being around that energy is, is very contagious, especially when you're with um, like tech stars, people that just did a round of funding and are, are ready to take on the world. Um, that never gets old as far as being a part of someone's journey as they're really trying to figure out something. Um, so like just the education and inspiration can, can be uh, worth it in itself. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. So Jim, you know, I, I'm a small business owner out there. I got a laptop and a couple of dollars on me. How can I grow my startup with a small budget? Yeah, right. Um, I, I feel your pain on that one. So <laughs> I, I, you're exactly right. There, there's two types of marketing. You can pay for it or you can do it for free. So if you and I are sitting there, we're lurking our bank, our bank account like, crap, we got 27 bucks. We know right away we've got to focus on free channels. For sure. So for focusing on free channels, what are options? So it's like, okay, we can do SEO. We can do content marketing. The issue with that is that's going to take a little while to build up that traffic. So we're going to be happy we're starting to do that, but we're not going to see the benefits for three to six months, right? Because I'm a big fan of quality over quantity, you know, making an epic piece of content that's a thousand to 2000 words, but writing that, producing it, getting it live, distributing it, emailing 200 people, asking them to like and refer it, that's going to take time. So let's go ahead and put that as an option, but we're not going to see results for a while. One thing I really like to do is what I call just being scrappy. And we actually talk about this in the book, but a common denominator I see with startups that work, with startups that don't work, are the ones that work in the early days, the founders, the CEOs, the team, they are not afraid to roll up their sleeves and do whatever it takes to make things happen. And usually those are things that don't scale. So with you know, fashion brands that, just pop, that um, are just launching, they have no issues with going to every single pop-up shop, craft fair, um, mall, like whatever they can to do pop-up shops to just get their products out there. And a lot of time it is not going to be the most effective use of a CEO's day when you're sitting behind a booth trying to sling boots or shoes or whatever it is. But the thing is, by doing those things that don't scale, you are actually having one-to-one -one interaction with potential early adopters and those early adopters if they're meeting the founder meeting the ceo and can be along this journey they're going to be talking about your brand for the next two years and how they're a part of this journey and so on the b2b side if you're i don't know launching a shopify app you could be going into those forums every day talking to those customers understanding what they care about giving your product away for free holding their hand as you're onboarding them um, and doing those little things that it doesn't cost money, but it costs your time. Um, those can actually add up. And then eventually you start to make money or you raise money. You can do more scalable things like um, advertising or, or hire people to help you with, with those tactics. But I'm, I'm a big fan of rolling up your sleeves and, and being scrappy. Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate that. Cause I, and you're right, man, you know, like as, as startup entrepreneurs, we really do have to kind of like, you know, uh, put up or shut up and, and do be scrappy and, and, you know, go in those bare knuckle fights, you know, with just a little bit uh, and nothing to kind of go for. But I appreciate you sharing that for sure. Do you want an example? Like, sure. Warby Parker, they would literally have people come into their office until midnight if they just wanted to try on glasses, which I thought was amazing. And like Stripe in the early days, they were hosting meetups and hackathons um, and weren't charging anything just to wow. build up the community. So there, there's a lot of great examples of these companies that we now look at as behemoths. They were super scrappy in the early days. For sure. You either spend the money or spend the time. I love it. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. You know, and so what are some other effective strategies for growing a business, Jim? So obviously um, you've got, we'll talk about two. One is um, let's go on the paid side. So we talked about the free side. Um, would you say most of your audience are B2B or B2C um, types of business owners? Most of them are B2C. Perfect. So and I'm sorry. For those of you out of Startup Nation, if you don't know what I mean by B2B, B2B is business to business and B2C is business to consumer. But go ahead, Jim. I'm sorry. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks for clarifying that. 
Um, so if we're B2C, we're selling to customers, let's say we're selling, I'll give an example. We're working with a company beyond that did caffeinated chocolates. And let's say we have some money to spend. Let's say we're spending a thousand to 10,000 bucks a month. I'm going to look pretty aggressively at, you know, running social campaigns on that, maybe on Facebook and Instagram. And so we like to do a three tiered funnel approach. And what that means is we're doing a top of funnel campaign where we're targeting people who have never heard about this product. So that could be people that like coffee, they drink Red Bull, um, they like Monster, whatever that is. Um, and we want to get a video in front of them that just showcases what we're about, playing to the emotion, playing to the problem we solve. So one was around, you know, avoid that 3 p.m. crash, um, use beyond caffeinated energy gyms. And so we're not trying to sell them anything. We're trying to educate them that we exist and the problem we solve. And anyone that engaged with that, we would then retarget them with an ad that's like, hey, you know, here's how to get started, get a free trial, just pay shipping. Because we believe that that was our best way of activation. And really, you know, all we have to pay for is the cost of the product because they're footing the bill for shipping. Mm -hmm. um, and then that bottom of the, the funnel ad is basically um, retargeting people that maybe went and added things to cart and then abandoned. And that overall three-tiered approach is a great way for first-time customer acquisition. And we were looking for a, a return on ad spend over 300% whenever we're doing that. Wow. The other thing to make sure you have in place when you're doing that is once people have signed up to get that first free product, make sure you have a really good uh, email onboarding flow. And what that means is right when they sign up, you have a series of emails that'll go out that helps educate them and hold their hand on, you know, why this product is great, why other people like it, and what that next step is, what their next purchase should be. So you could be using testimonials, you could be using user-generated content, use, um, you know, be transparent about the ingredients of it, um, just so people can really be educated on the product. So if, if I have some money to spend, I'm absolutely building out uh, that kind of three-tiered campaign. But honestly, the thing that I'm the most excited about whenever we're working with companies is finding a way to turn customers into marketers. Because mm. paid channels are great, but the problem with this, them is when you run out of money, you run out of traffic. For sure. So you need to figure out another way to get traffic where you're not paying for it. Obviously, we talked about SEO. That's a great option. But how can you turn those customers into marketers? And that means when are they the most excited about your product or service? Cause Absolutely. that's when you can ask them to recommend your product or service to a friend. And usually that's after they make that purchase. Cause clearly they, that's the best sign of intent that they like what you're doing. Another thing is after they've received that product, can you include something to ask them to share? So that's when you ask them. The second thing you need to realize is what is going to get them to take action? Do they like your product so much they'll just do it? Or usually you have to give them an incentive, right? Whether that's a discount, whether that's a credit of money, or we've seen work really well is actually giving a free product. And usually that's more cost effective than giving them 20 to 40 bucks. So um, companies like Harry's have done this extremely well where they would give away a free razor blade set. If you invite 25 people, they'd give you a year supply of blades. If you invite 50 people, so um, it's all about making the right incentive and asking them at the right time. So referral mechanisms for me are kind of the holy grail of figuring out a growth strategy for a company. Absolutely. And when you talk about turning those customers into marketers, you know, I think that's a really important piece for a startup nation to understand, you know, because I think that's really where that organic culture growth of people loving your product or your company really comes from is when people start to like, man, I love what they do over there. So I'm glad you really pointed that out, Jim. I appreciate that. Totally agree. Yeah, absolutely. So real quick, man, why do most businesses or startups fail? You know, we always hear about those timelines of like, you know, uh, the critical point is like the 18 to 24 uh, month marker. Why do most businesses and startups fail? Yeah, what I see, especially kind of in the first six to 12 months is, Honestly, they try and grow too soon. They're like, okay, we've got this idea. We think it's fantastic. Maybe you got a little bit of money and you're like, all right, let's do this. Let's run Facebook ads. Let's build up our email list. Let's do that. And the truth is you're ignoring the most important thing, which is your customers. 
and it's not really knowing if you're ready to go to market. And another way to classify this, and I'm sure your, your audience has heard this a whole bunch, but do you have product market fit? For sure. And what that means is do you have a, a market that is so excited about what you're offering that they will take it warts and all if it's not a, a perfect product, whether that's, um, you know, your, your shipping isn't fantastic, your customer service isn't great, the packaging isn't great, but the thing they receive is exactly what they were looking for and that they'll bear with you in those moments. And so right. how do you quantify if you have this thing called product market fit? Um, th there's a few ways people try and do it. One is through net promoter score, which is you've, your, your audience has probably gotten the question you see on sites. It's like, hey, how likely are you to recommend this to a friend? And that's how they get their net promoter score. And if everyone's putting a 10 on that and they actually are recommending it to a friend, you're onto something. If you're constantly selling out of products, you're probably having product market fit. But if you're looking at your data and people aren't super passionate about it, they're not recommending it, your conversion rate on an e-commerce site is under 2%, um, then maybe you're not quite there yet. And you, you need to hone in on something. And so that means talking to customers and trying to remove your bias. If you've created this thing, you think it's perfect, you think it's amazing, um, so when people say they don't like something, you're like, oh, that's just one person. Let me talk to the next. But you need to be very open to, to getting that feedback. So um, for me, it's making sure you have a product that's worthy of your marketing before you start to grow. Because so many times people are too quick to focus on growth and not focus on uh, fine-tuning that product. I hear that. Thank you for sharing that. that you're absolutely right. We, we find a lot of entrepreneurs who kind of missed the mark on that. So I appreciate you sharing that. Let me ask you this, man. Entrepreneurs consider themselves lifelong learners, always constantly engaged in professional development. What does professional development look like to you, Jim? And what are you learning now? Uh, that's a good question. I, I put it this way is how often are you putting yourself in an uncomfortable position or getting okay. out of your comfort zone? You know, because a lot of times the, the process for me starts as, okay, I don't even know what this thing is. I don't know how to spell SEO. And then you start reading everything and you're putting things together. You're, you're kind of flagging things that phrases you do and don't know. And then eventually you get to this point of confidence. You're like, wow, I actually do know this. I can execute on it. Wow, I can speak to this really well. I can teach people about this. And the good but dangerous thing about that is you can become a little complacent. Um, so it's very, very important to be like, okay, what am I feeling really confident in? And then how can I kind of rattle that a little bit? Whether it's a vertical you feel very, very good about, um, going to other experts and seeing if you can find things you don't know. Also, let's say you're really good at SEO, but you're not a great technical person. Maybe gotcha. you need to focus on learning HTML. Try and get out of your comfort zone to learn more about HTML, or maybe it's learning more about personalization. So for me, it's like, okay, what's making me uncomfortable and how can I go there um, and, and try and turn that kind of pain point into something that's actually a strength. Um, and so one thing I try and do to always learn is, and it might even just be 20 minutes a week, but every Friday I'm like, okay, I need to read a case study. I need to go to a competitor's website, see what they're doing, or I need to go to the growth hackers forum and read an AMA. And usually just by going through that practice, I'm going to find something that kind of piques my interest or makes me curious that makes me want to dive deeper and start learning. Um, but it's really following what makes you uncomfortable because maybe that's what you need to focus on. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Last question before we go to break, man. What does the average day look like for you uh, from sun up to sun down? Be as specific as possible. Yeah. Um, I wake up. Um, probably around 6.30 cause the baby monitor's going off and our, our 16 month old <laughs> might be crying or moving around. So oh, precious. <laughs> my wife will get up with her and I hate to admit it, but I look at my email because I have a lot of clients on the East coast. Gotcha. So I'm making sure there aren't any fires going off there. Sure. I'll get about 15 minutes of work in and then I'm in dad mode for about an hour. And then after dad mode, getting her to daycare, I actually, I'm a huge fan of the two minute journal. Okay. So I will write in the two minute journal. And the thing that's nice about that, it really helps me get focused on what I need to prioritize. Mm. Um, and then from there, I'm jumping into Trello and Slack. So Trello is our project management tool. Right, um, right. I'm obsessed with. So I'm making sure my team, um, we're all kind of pointed in the right direction. Um, and that's, we see that in Trello. We're talking on Slack. 
we do a kickoff call, kind of like a stand-up meeting of what we're focused on. And then it's off to the races. Usually half of my day, I'm on the phone doing client calls, doing strategy calls. Um, I'm eating lunch over my keyboard, which is unfortunate. And then um, the other half, I'm, I'm trying to get into execution mode, um, which is actually getting stuff done. Um, and so if I can have two hours of open runway that's uninterrupted, that's amazing. Um, and then, I, you know, I'm in dad mode again from about six to eight. Um, I try, you know, if I can't hang out with the wife and then when she goes to bed around 930, I'm working probably till about 1130 or midnight. Um, and I, I, it's, a, it's a habit I'm trying to break. But honestly, those are the times when I can be uninterrupted. And that's when I can do more strategic thinking or even do writing. So even though it's up later than I should be, those are kind of those, those moments of clarity where um, I, I maybe get inspired or can get stuff done. For sure. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. How do you like being on the startup life so far, Jim? I love it, man. It's fun. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're getting great value from Jim's content, but we got to pay a few bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson, and you're listening to The Startup Life. business owner the startup life reach is growing wouldn't you like your business to grow with it reach out to us to advertise on the startup life you can reach us at 901-857-4818 or you can email me at dominic at askalsolutions.com i mean don't get me wrong like this is a great music to have break on but wouldn't this break sound a lot better with the same music but your business being advertised on it if you are a teacher looking for great resources look no further than our teaching with owl section of our website enjoy great lessons such as our mini lesson for the story of an hour or dive into the nixon presidency as part of our legacy series enjoy great peace of mind from our units as they are common core line Click the link in the show notes to purchase. All right, Startup Nation, so let's continue. So, Jim, man, tell us a little bit about Growth Hit and how you uh, assist businesses in getting them to uh, get the, get to the next level. Yeah, so with Growth Hit, we're um, kind of a growth team, a growth consultancy that works with companies that um, have two things. They've got some traction. Um, they've got that thing of product market fit. Um, they're selling you know hundreds of products, and we're trying to take them to thousands of products. And they've also maybe done a round of funding. That could be a small seed round. They've put in money themselves or they've done an A round. So anything from $200,000 to $8 million. And so we come in and instead of them hiring a head of growth, we kind of function as that, that leader of growth. So we're, we're their plug and play growth team for lack of a better phrase. So we come in, we really want to understand the industry. We want to understand, okay, What's happening in the industry? Who are the top players? What are they doing well? What are they not doing well? What channels are they choosing? What channels are they not choosing? What's their value proposition? We do all of this so we can understand how the client is uniquely positioned to own a specific segment of it. Um, Because we really want to feel like we have an unfair advantage with one specific type of customer or user. So we're, we're trying to uncover that. So once we do that, we're then looking at kind of the second phase of setting up the infrastructure. And that means, all right, from a, a conversion standpoint, how does the entire site look from the home page to the product detail pages, all the various landing pages, are these page, pages optimized to convert or to educate people on what they need to know to go to that next step? Um, we're also, my, my partner is an SEO uh, guy and so we're very much focused on how we're looking from an seo perspective whether it's our main driver of traffic or we seem to make sure we're loading fast on uh 
on desktop and mobile. And then we're also, this is the most important thing for us is we're setting up the KPIs and the dashboards. Mm -hmm. So we're on the same page with this founder with what is that goal? Like, what do we care about? Are we trying to get X amount of sales per month to show 20% month over month growth to get funding? Or we're actually just trying to get a lot of email signups in anticipation of a big launch. Because we need to know which direction to be pointed in. And then from there, it's um, the third phase, which is the fun phase of, okay, we feel confident we can send traffic or that if we send traffic to this site, it will convert. Now let's go and get traffic. And so we're looking at free channels, we're looking at paid channels, and balancing those to hit short-term and long-term goals. So that could be running paid ads, like the example I said earlier on, on Facebook and Instagram. It could be building out an SEO-driven content plan. So like, for example, like with our agency, we want to rank for the phrase, how to build a marketing plan. That gets about 40,000 searches per month, and it's pretty high intent. We also want to rank for the phrases, how to resize a Facebook ad. Because um, people that are searching for that eventually are kind of going to be looking for, you know, an agency or team to help them. So we want to build out that same type of content for our customers. And yeah, and so we, we're a big fan of rapid iteration and running lots of experiments. So we're always, you know, checking in with the founder CEO, like, okay, here are the experiments we're running this week. Here's what we're trying to learn. So every week we're, we're reporting on, on the various things we're doing. But um, yeah, it's really fun for us because as we work with more innovative and creative founders, we're able to really learn honestly from them and the industries that we're in. And, and that part's really energizing and fun. Thank you for sharing that. And real quick, Startup Nation, when Jim mentions KPI, all that is an acronym for Key Performance Indicator. It's just a data metric to kind of uh, figure out, you know, uh, to measure your performance in a, in a key uh, space, if you will. So I'm sorry, Jim, I just wanted to kind of point that out for some of Startup Nation who may not know what KPI is. So All, all those dang acronyms and people that use them. I, yeah, my, my, my bad. That's, I hate it when people <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it, it, it's all good. It's all good. That, that's why here on the Startup Life, you know, we, we work together to kind of, you know, inform our audience to kind of, you know, help them out with some of those things whenever we can. So, but no, I appreciate you pointing it out because that's one of those things that a lot of marketers and entrepreneurs entrepreneurs do uh, use and need to know about for sure. So thank you for sharing that. Of course. On your website, growthhit.com, you offer businesses a free growth audit. What is a growth audit and how can a business benefit from that? Yeah. Um, so what we want to do is um, just help point people in the right direction. So what we'll ask for is we want to know their website URL and some of their top competitors. And we're just going to give them an overview of, okay, here's what we're seeing. We, we have a few tools we pay for where we can crawl their websites and understand where their traffic is coming from, what their ads look like, how many emails they're sending per month, what those emails look like. And we'll just give a real quick overview of, okay, here's what you're doing. Here's what we're seeing your competition is doing. Um, here's some opportunities to get even better or to improve from a traffic standpoint, an SEO standpoint, and an overall marketing standpoint. So it's a little bit of a teaser of like, we'll make full-blown growth plans for companies, it's like a 50-page document where we basically hand them the playbook of what we would wanna do if we were their CMO. So just kind of help people get in the right direction. Awesome, thank you for sharing that. Now you have an, uh, an Alexa app that gives daily tips on how to grow businesses, which I think is a brilliant idea. How did you and your team come up with that idea? Yeah, we, um, we're always trying to think of ideas of new and innovative ways to get in front of people. Because as you know, um, so many channels are oversaturated. So if there's anything new that's popping up, we just want to test it to see if we can get traction. So, sure. you know, my partner and I are big fans of the Amazon Echo. We, um, I finally hooked up my home to be able to turn on my lights with it. And I feel like I'm the smartest person ever, even though it's easy <laughs> to do it. And, yeah. um, so we're like, oh, we've got to make a skill for what we do. And um, honestly, one of the easiest things was being able to do a daily tip because it's really just a feed that you push into uh, the Alexa skill backend and it'll just update it daily. And so for us, it was kind of fun and we already had a lot of content with it. And we just want to do something that could add value to founders. And honestly, it's been kind of a cool way to get people introduced to the brand and what we do because the person that's coming from the Echo um, is, is a very tech savvy type of, of, of user. So it, it's been kind of fun to play with that. Appreciate you sharing that. And before I move real quick, Startup Nation, if you want to get that free growth audit from uh, Jim and his company, Growth Hit, go to growthhit.com. 
and it comes right up on that website. So I wanted to make sure I got that out there to get some value to Startup Nation real quick for sure. Um, also, Jim, on the uh, on the website, there's there's a blog post that I was very interested in uh, that talks about the the personalization of marketing in the marketplace. And it gave a really interesting stat where it said in 1995, there were about 23,500 websites. And now here in 2018, we're close to 2 billion. So to me, that tells me that differentiation in the marketplace when it comes to marketing is extremely important. So explain your philosophy on, you know, personalizing ads and, and marketing and things of like that to the entrepreneur. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's, it's a crowded marketplace and there's only more websites and domains coming. So we're all getting retargeted and hit up every single day. So your at least my knee jerk reaction is to delete, is to delete, to hide, to filter those things. So gotcha. In order to rise up from all that noise, you have to speak to people on a one-to-one -one basis. Mm. You, you have to make it contextual. And we've been testing this on a small scale, especially with our e-commerce clients, where if we can do very, very simple things of putting customers into a bucket where it's okay, this person is in Memphis, this person is in Seattle, this person's first name is Jim or Dominique. Um, we know that they bought the boots in the past, or we know that they buy activewear. Um, those simple like tags that can funnel people to a totally different type of experience. So using that data to add value, we see that just by using a first name, whether it's on a landing page or even in the email signature, the engagement will go up three X. Um, the other thing is if we know that someone has made a purchase in the past and they, and it's been 45 days since they made a purchase, hey, we could probably give them an incentive to make that next purchase. And whenever we do that, that goes up significantly. So just by using this data that we're already getting, um, but building that data into our marketing strategy has a huge impact. And what's funny is we look at Amazon as this behemoth and their site is not pretty at all but they are amazing at personalization and segmentation. You go there, your name is in the header. They know what you've bought. The recommendation engine is very strong. And because of that, you're okay with how ugly the site is because it's adding so much value because it knows you and it's contextual. So if we can all just take a page from their book and apply that, um, we will see the, the, the same return. And it's getting so competitive, you kind of have to do that um, to stand out from everybody else. Let me ask you this, Jim. What do you look for in an ideal employee at Growth Hit? You know, somebody that, that helps fit the culture of Growth Hit. What do you look for? Yeah, I used to, um, I've made so many hiring mistakes. I, I used to look for credentials. Do they have the experience? Do they have the degree? Do they work at XYZ type of company? For I've sure. actually been burned more times than not going after that. Okay. So what I look for now, honestly, is someone that truly cares about making great work, someone that has no ego and isn't afraid to roll up their sleeves and do whatever it takes to get results. So we will hire people who don't have that amazing degree, people that um, maybe haven't given a shot, but if they've shown me that they've gone the extra mile, even just to do like a simulation for us, or to demonstrate that they're really passionate about what we're trying to accomplish, I will absolutely give those people a shot. And um, honestly, those are the people that end up working out the best and that are able to grow within our company. So um, honestly, it's, it's kind of hard because I wish it's something I could quantify, but it's kind of this intangible thing where it's, okay, are they super excited and passionate about what we're doing? Are they, before I can even ask for something, are they turning it in like a day or two early? Um, and, and those little things add up to be people that can grow really well internally. So, um, and, on, on, and also people that are just really nice and not jerks, right? Um, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> that's an important one. Absolutely. But no, uh, I'm glad you pointed that out, Jim, because Startup Nation, I think that's a key point when you start to scale and grow your company, you're starting to hire uh, you know, employees or team members, as we like to call them on startup, you know, on the startup life, you know, really look deeper than those credentials. A lot of times, you know, the credentials don't tell the entire story that Jim is saying. So I'm really glad you pointed that out. That's very valuable. Totally. And it's, it's hard to like, sometimes on those resumes, like someone, let's say someone has a resume, but it's not showing like, oh, they, they worked at, you know, PayPal, they worked at Facebook, but it's like, okay, well, this person 
was at this job for three years. They actually got promoted twice or um, in that interview, it's like, hey, what was your greatest accomplishment? It's like, oh, well, you know, I did this and this and I got the responsibility to work with the VP or the CEO. If you can see them having to own tasks that are really bigger than the role they have mm. um, and they can speak to it really well with vivid examples, then you know you're maybe onto something as opposed to people that um, it has a little bit more fluff and they can't get into the details. That's a good one. Thank you for sharing that. So, Jim, I know you and, and, and your team at Growth Hit have worked with many companies, many companies, many successful companies in that regard. But have you ever had to turn clients down from time to time? And why did you have to do that? What were some of those red flags like, well, this probably is not going to work out? <laughs> yeah. Well, in the early days, we didn't turn down anything because I was sure. paranoid that we were going to go under. So I would, you know, I would do whatever it took. But now, um, honestly, by learning the hard way, um, it's actually kind of simple because it, as a marketer, if you work for a company that doesn't have product market fit, it doesn't matter how amazing you are. If they don't have something people actually want, you're going to fail. You're just going to fail faster than another marketer because you're going to do more iterations. So honestly, before we even take on a client, we want to understand what is their conversion rate? What is their repeat purchase rate? Um, are those healthy numbers? Means the conversion rate over two or 3% is the repeat purchase rate over 40%. Um, also, we'll even try and talk to customers or read testimonials because we want to know, wow, do people really love this product or service? Because if so, we can do some great things. But if they don't have that yet, we'll just be like, honestly, you, you shouldn't spend your money on us or any marketing firm. You need to be focused on product development. You need to be focused on talking to the customer. It's one thing that we, we try and ask uh, before we get into it. And with a lot of startups that are early days, um, it, it can be kind of hard to get that information. So um, sometimes we'll have to go off of gut instinct. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. Finish this statement for me, Jim. You should go with growth hit as opposed to my competitors because... You're, you're going to work with myself and my co-founder. We, um, we don't on it off on anybody else and we literally become an extension of your team. Um, so as opposed to just being an agency, we're actually like a part of your growth team. And some people call us kind of the, the, the CMO secret weapon. So that's, um, that's ah, kind of how we kind of position ourselves. Gotcha. The CMO secret weapon. I love it. I love it. Real quick, Jim, who are your mentors? Um, there's a guy, Rob Sobers, uh, out of New York who runs growth for Vronis. And he actually was mentioned in the book, Hacking Growth, but he is an amazing technical marketer. Uh, he, uh, he was a developer for like seven years, then went to the marketing side. So I'm very envious because his technical skills are significantly better than mine. So he's a mentor I actually know when I speak with. Um, Sean Ellis is another one who came up with the phrase growth hacker. I, I don't, I've met him a couple times, but um, I just through his content and what he does, I look at him. And then honestly, um, Authors that I really enjoy that I read, like James Clear and Tim Ferriss, um, kind of more so on the, the startup lifestyle and thinking outside the box for me are ones that I, I really like. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. Jim, I believe all entrepreneurs have a superpower. What's yours and why? Um, I think it's um, being resilient. I, I find that whenever our, our back is against the wall and things are the hardest, you have two options. You can go very pessimistic, like, oh, well, crap, better shut the doors, better call it quits. Or you can be like, you know what? We have so much going for us. If we just get this one thing to work, wow, we are in an offensive position. For so sure. for us, it's always focusing on impact and that big opportunity, especially when times are tough. Because usually with startups, it's not about – you know, companies win because they're the best, whatever. It's because companies stuck with the problem the longest and they kept going. And so um, I, I found that that's been um, honestly kind of the, the, the best thing whenever you're trying to make something work for the long haul. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So, man, any last thoughts to share with Startup Nation? Anything about growing a business, about marketing, whatever you want to share with Startup Nation, man? Any last nuggets of wisdom? Um, don't be too hard on yourself. Just stick with things and don't try and compare yourself to what other people are doing. Look more at your progress and what you're focusing on because um, that's the true benchmark um, that, that matters. Um, so, yeah, just, just, 
just keep pushing uh, no matter what. Absolutely. So that's going to wrap up this session of the Startup Life. Did you enjoy it, man? This is a blast. It's a party. Awesome, awesome. All right, Startup Nation. So here's my final take. When it comes to Jim Huffman, there's two things that really stick out to me, uh, which is why I love his path to entrepreneurship. The first thing is his the way he goes about marketing, the way he explained in the episode to where too many entrepreneurs, when they're gaining traction in marketing, they, they want to too quickly go on to the next thing or try to expand too fast. But I really believe Jim model works it's because you really just double down on that one thing and really maximize that one thing that you get right in marketing, not just in marketing, but also in your business as well. And I think more entrepreneurs will be successful with that model. You can read about that model and Dr. Moore in the Growth Marketers Playbook. And you can go to growthmarketersplaybook.com and if you put in promo code Startup Life, you'll get an extra 30% off. The second thing I like about Jim is the fact that he understands that mentoring is super important. Entrepreneurship is an ecosystem, and it's one of those things where it's like you honestly always need somebody to kind of help guide you, help mold you, help mentor you, if you will. And so the fact that he mentors new and inspired entrepreneurs, it really is awe-inspiring. If you want to let us know what you think about the show, have an idea for a show topic, or would like to advertise on our show, send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a new way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is here in the show notes. To subscribe to the show, as it can now be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and SoundCloud. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life.